Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to In-Depth. I'm your host, Jill Webb. There are tons of trash in New York City. Every single day, 24 million pounds of trash and recycling sit on the curb. No wonder rat sightings have gone up 71% since 2020. We're not going to allow this plague of rats to destroy the quality of life in our city. It's almost like an all-you-can-eat buffet for rodents on trash day. According to a 2017 sanitation report, about 34% of New York City's residential trash is organic waste. That's food scraps, paper crusted with food, and yard waste. Note I say residential waste. That 34% doesn't include what's tossed by businesses. An estimated 68% of the city's food waste is considered good to eat, according to Feeding America. That's a lot of food prematurely thrown away. Anna Sachs agrees. These are all things that I got from New York City's trash one night this week. She's an environmentalist who's gone viral for posting her trash walks on social media. In these videos, she shows off the still useful items, including food, that she's found discarded in New York City garbage. Here are just some of the things she's found. Bags of unopened, unrecalled M&Ms outside of a Dwayne Reed. Stacks of baked goods discarded by Citarella. Dozens of peaches, piles of bread, and hundreds of bags of baby carrots tossed outside public schools. Anna says it's frustrating to constantly see so much excess food piling up in her hometown. She joins us on In-Depth to explain why. A lot of people know you as the trash walker from social media. For those unfamiliar, can you explain what happens on your trash walks? Yeah, I go through residential and corporate waste and pull out usable items. How did you get into this? I was working at an investment bank for several years doing mergers and acquisitions, and I felt burned out, which is really just a symptom of the industry and not about the specific investment bank. I was looking for something very different, and I found this Jewish farming fellowship called Adama, and there I learned about composting. And that really changed my mind because I never really participated in composting before. I didn't know much about it, and I saw this beautiful cycle of using food scraps to grow more food. And I was like, that's genius. Everyone should be doing that. That just makes so much sense. And 
I came back to New York City, where I'm from, afterwards, and became very curious about all the piles of waste that we have at the curb. And I, so I started walking around on my recycling night in my neighborhood and noticing what we were putting out and pulling out those usable things. And a few of your bigger finds have gone viral on social media. When it comes to food waste, what are some of the more surprising things you've come across? So I think with food waste, there's a lot of misinformation. One thing I find a lot when I post about corporate food waste specifically is people automatically defending the corporation and saying, well, corporations would like to donate, but the government gets in the way. And the government makes it so that you can't donate and you're going to get sued as a result of donating and blame the lawyers and blame the government. And that's actually very false. In 1996, under Bill Clinton, he signed the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Food Donation Act, which protects food donors. A lot of legal protection for the donors and you could add additional layers of protection. So that's a very common myth that I find. Another myth is that expiration dates are like, it's kind of like a Cinderella pumpkin situation where when it's midnight of that day, then therefore the food becomes unsafe. And that's also not true. I think people are just not educated about those dates. So federally, the only thing that's required to have a food dating is baby food, baby formula. And that one you have to be really careful with and actually listen to that dating. Some states have additional regulations, but overall it's a date put there by manufacturers that indicates peak product quality. So the M&Ms that you referenced that are in the trash at CVS and Dwayne Reed, those have, if they have a best buy date that's approaching, retailers will toss them a month in advance. So in addition to the actual manufacturer being very conservative because they want you to have the peak experience, the retailer is also being conservative and they're pulling the items a month in advance. And so that will result in sometimes three entire trash bags just filled with M&Ms. And one more thing also is one of the most important climate solutions that we have is to reduce food waste. And actually, if we're looking at two degrees Celsius of warming, which is pretty likely as a minimum, the best thing we can do, according to Project Drawdown, is to reduce food waste as a climate solution. And that's really not just because of the landfilling and incinerating and the emissions associated with that, but all the upstream implications of producing that food. So the water use, land use, the fertilizer use, everything that goes into it. And I think a really easy starting point is bread. In New York City, if you go to any bagel shop, pretty much in any bagel shop or pastry shop or bakery after it closes, you can open up a trash bag and find all those freshly baked bagels in the trash. And that's another issue of if it's baked fresh daily, what's the flip side of that? The flip side is then once it's no longer fresh, it frequently is tossed. So I think that's a pretty good starting point for source reduction, for reducing food waste is we need to stop overproducing the donuts, the bagels, the pastries, and those type of items. When you find these massive halls of food thrown out, have you ever talked to the businesses that are throwing them out? 
Yeah, I have. It's like, there's only so much you could do. I don't know what else, like, okay, you reach out to a corporation and they know that it's a problem. And you've said, oh, actually, there are other solutions also. Like, I do think City Harvest would take a lot of those items. But if they don't take those items, there's Rescuing Leftover Cuisine, which can pick up and then literally walk it a few blocks to a church or to a shelter and donate it there. So there are solutions. I think there needs to be a willingness for corporations to admit that they can do better. I also think the big issue with corporations is anything related to ESG or sustainability is seen as a nice to have thing, but that's not central to their core mission typically of corporations. And I think that needs to shift. This planet that we're on is not a nice to have thing, it's a need to have thing. So I think that it needs to be prioritized. You're pretty popular on social media. What kinds of responses are you getting to your content? Yeah, I I get a comment a lot like, it's really interesting what you're doing. I love following you, but I also hate it. Like kind of a hate follow. And I totally see that. Yeah, it's really infuriating. Unfortunately, it seems like we're set in this status quo of overconsumption, where we currently are consuming two and a half times what the earth can regenerate in one year. I really do think, yes, individuals can do better, but I really like to assign the blame to corporations and to say that then what's necessary in the absence of corporations willingly doing the right thing is government intervention. Online, you're kind of met with people, I guess, in the same mindset as you. But in person, if somebody on the street passes you, are you met with that same kind of praise or do you feel like more stigmatized? When I'm going through the trash on the streets, I get met with a lot of like, did you lose something? (laughs) Because I think people are not used to seeing me and I'm a white woman going through the trash. Sometimes I have been offered money also. And then for people who work at that establishment or building, it's more concerned that I'm going to leave a mess. And I always try to emphasize like, no, I'm not going to leave a mess. I'm going to tie up all the bags, you know, make sure nothing is left. And then sometimes people actually want to join in. Once you open up that opportunity, other people, I think, do feel curious about trash also and maybe feel the social stigma more than I do. And so when you open up that opportunity, sometimes people join in or sometimes people also offer their stories about, oh, I found this really cool thing at the curb. You wouldn't believe it. And I'm like, yeah, I believe it. So, you know, the holidays are here and statistics show that people throw out more stuff during this time of year. Do you see that in your halls when you're going around? I would say the holiday season, knowing that the waste is built into the system and specifically the corporate waste, it makes me more anxious. So after the holidays are over, typically the first or second week of January, corporations, anything related to the past holiday, they will be tossing. So that's a lot of Christmas merchandise, a lot of Hanukkah merchandise, some New Year's stuff. It's all going into the trash. Then a lot of the items that corporations do choose to produce to begin with are these single-use disposable items. Yes, they provide an endorphin rush when you're like unwrapping the paper, but that's really short-lived. We need to stop 
producing and consuming these cheap disposable things. They're not these heirloom items that you want to save and give to your kids and grandkids. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because there's so many promotional packages around not just the winter holidays, but you know, Easter, 4th of July, St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day. There's so many things now that have the specific packaging, whether it's candy or cards. It seems like this is not just even during the winter holidays, but year round. It is year-round, and it's it's really, I think it's arbitrary and stupid. It's if you have cereal, like I've seen, that's related to St. Patrick's Day, that cereal could expire nine months from that date. But because the packaging is related to St. Patrick's Day, it will be tossed a few weeks after St. Patrick's Day. For people who not only want to get into trash walking, but other sustainable practices, what tips do you have for beginners? I think that everyone can start somewhere. So one rule that I have for myself is that if tap water is safe to drink, then I am not allowed to purchase single-use water bottles. I have to use my reusable water bottle. And that results in me always carrying around my reusable water bottle. So, I mean, even establishing rules like that for yourself. And then another rule that I have for myself is... I'm not allowed to get a coffee in a single-use cup. And that means that if a coffee is like, oh, I can't serve it for hygiene items, which are not necessarily true, you know, you just need to avoid contact with the vessel, I walk out of the coffee shop even if I've waited online. Those are smaller, some of the smaller things. Also, definitely participating in composting in New York City, that's really important. There is this big debate that I have that I think everyone in sustainability does have of like incrementalism versus something more radical. We do need radical change. I really recommend finding an issue that you're passionate about and getting involved in an existing group that works on that issue. We do need more people joining these other groups and pushing for the systemic change at the governmental level. It's not enough for individuals to use reusables as as great as that is and as important as that is. We need sweeping changes. Definitely. Anna, thank you. Thank you. Individual action, like Anna's trash walks, is one way of fighting New York City's garbage problems. But government and organization support is also needed. In November, New York City deployed an additional 200 sanitation workers to pick up trash. They're focusing on over a thousand areas that have been dubbed no man's land. Here's what the Department of Sanitation Commissioner Jessica Tisch said at the time. Fast forward to the 1980s, when New York City unwittingly created no man's lands of its very own through an interagency agreement that was designed to create jurisdictional clarity for cleaning purposes, but that ended up being used for decades to obfuscate responsibility a way for an agency to look at a dirty part of our neighborhood and say, that's not my job, that's not my problem. The additional trucks that were deployed to fix this issue is part of Mayor Eric Adams' Get Stuff Clean initiative. America's biggest city is going to be America's cleanest city. We're investing more than $14 million this fiscal year alone to participate in the largest cleanup effort in decades. But advocates say this is about more than just cleaning up. 
They say New Yorkers need to create less waste. They also want better sorting, including composting. Ushima Pandya is the co-founder of Think Zero, a waste management consultancy. She joins us now to explain how we can decrease New York City's food waste footprint. New York City has a massive amount of food waste. Are there any statistics that really stand out to you when thinking about this kind of stuff? The EPA says that about 34% of the municipal solid waste is food waste. So it's a pretty big portion of what Americans throw out. And during the holidays, there's an old stat that is thrown out often, which is Americans generate about 25% more waste between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I think you could probably use that stat to think about food waste is increased by 25% over the holidays. If you think about catering and Thanksgiving and the holiday meals. When we're thinking about this big picture, how much does it usually cost the city to manage all the waste? So the city manages residential waste. The city does not manage commercial waste. And I believe the statistic is that somewhere between four and $500 million is spent on managing our waste on a yearly basis. In 2021, the city released its first ever food policy plan for the city, including strategies to lessen food waste. In July, we saw the sanitation department began issuing fines for businesses that weren't separating organic waste. What are your thoughts on these initiatives so far? I think it's a great first step with businesses. The organics separation rules started in 2016, and they started quite big, i.e. a stadium or a hotel. And over the years, as there's more processing capacity, the city is requiring more and more businesses to separate their organics. And so this is, I think, the third or the fourth modification of the rule. New York City has so many small mom-and-pop stores that probably are not required to separate because they're too small. As you mentioned, we're in the midst of the holiday season right now, and that 25% stat, I think that's for all of America, right? Do you find that to Mm -hmm. be true for in the city too? Yeah, I think so. We have a pretty dense population, a lot of consumers. I I wouldn't say that New Yorkers are more or less wasteful than other parts of the world or parts of the United States. Do you have any tips for New Yorkers who are looking to bring down their waste during the holidays? If you're hosting a party... Make sure you know actually how many people are coming. I know oftentimes hosts or hostesses don't want to run out, so they overorder. And then what happens is people are too busy having fun and chatting and maybe having drinks and they're not eating as much. I think being really clear about the number of people coming and the portion sizes. When this food doesn't end up getting eaten, it goes to landfills. How are we seeing that affect our environment? Once food or any other item goes into a landfill, it is somewhat decomposing and it's emitting methane. There are stats that say landfills contribute about 8% of the greenhouse gas emissions. So it's a pretty big portion. But the other way you should also think about it is all the resources that were spent to grow that food or make that food. And not only talking about fresh food, but all the packaged food. So if you buy all those crackers, someone had to make the crackers, they had to grow the wheat, 
So the fertilizer and the water, then process it, make the crackers in a factory, which used maybe coal or gas. And then they packaged it in plastic and they shipped it or flew it to your grocery store. All of those things also impact our environment. And then you kind of threw it all away. On a local scale, how is that affecting New York City's environment? On the food waste, obviously it's being put out on the streets. So the more food we put out in those plastic bags, that's like kind of a feast for our four-legged creatures. It just also makes it dirty and smelly. I don't know about you, but if when I'm walking down the street and I see all those bags of food, it kind of makes me wrinkle my nose. Yeah, and for those unfamiliar, the city began piloting a curbside compost pickup in Queens, I think in some other areas too. But have there been any promising results from that? There has been really good data on it. People have been participating. Some of it is food waste and some of it is yard waste. And the hope is that over the winter and then into the spring, that continues to get good uptake. We're headed into 2023. What do you want to be done about food waste in the new year? In New York City specific, I would love to see that the Queens rollout pilot is so successful that they add one or two more boroughs. That's one. Two, compost activists in the city are actively lobbying for having more compost drop-offs. And then I think the third is continuing to increase awareness about how to donate food, letting companies and people know that the Good Samaritan Act that was passed in the 90s means you're not having any liability by donating food, and then making it easier for people to donate through education and awareness. Ushma, thank you. Thank you. So, why are businesses, grocers, and schools all throwing out perfectly good food? Especially since, like Anna mentioned, there's no federal law requiring date labels, except for infant formula. At the state level, New York doesn't require date labels either, except for reduced oxygen packaged food products. New York also doesn't regulate the sale or donation of food past their labeled dates. In January 2022, the state's food donation and food scraps recycling law went into effect. It requires businesses or institutions generating over an annual average of two tons of wasted food per week to donate that excess. The city has its own laws for separating food scraps, which the sanitation department started actually enforcing again this July. The law has technically been around since 2013. Some food service establishments get around the legislation due to their size. Schools don't get penalized for excess food. In 2018, New York Senate passed a bill encouraging school districts to develop plans to donate excess food. It's unclear how many schools are actually doing this. Advocates say at the heart of our city's food waste problem is consumption culture. Studies show we often buy more groceries than we can eat. This isn't just a New York problem. A 2021 survey found the average American says a fifth of their annual grocery purchases end up in the trash. It's something to think about during the holidays as we celebrate with lots of food. If you usually have leftovers that don't end up eaten, frozen, or donated, maybe it's time to cut back on your spread, or at least look into composting options.
Thank you so much for listening. In Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Special thanks to producer Dempsey Palat and audio engineer Andy Eganthorpe. Fabi Redwood is the managing producer of podcasts, and I'm Jill Webb. Cheers. All star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.